So, hey, we're in for a treat. We have Joseph Barlow with us, Mark's dad. And yeah, if you know who Joseph is, you are blessed. You have been such a blessing to my life, to this church's life, to the Becchio's life, and most importantly, to Mark's life. So thank you for sharing, Mark. Seriously, I already said this at the leadership meeting. Mark, to me, is of the highest caliber of humans. <laughs> and what you have imparted into him and your kids and the culture you've created is just beautiful. And so thank you for coming and blessing us. Can we just welcome Joseph, please? Thank you. Well, hi. Praise the Lord, everybody. Um, Father, we love you with all our heart. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this beautiful congregation, this beautiful people who love you, and some who are inquiring of you to find out if they want to love you, because they're not sure yet. And... Uh, Lord, I pray that every single heart here would feel welcome and they would know, actually be touched by your love, that they would sense uh, not only welcome, but a real, true, and personal invitation to them, that they would feel welcome in the family. And... Uh, <clears throat> Jesus, I ask you to walk in our midst tonight. Just walk through all of us and touch whoever you want to touch. Minister to whoever you want to minister to. Holy Spirit, have your way. And uh, have fun, too. We have a God of fun. Amen? <clears throat> Listen, if you think fun is good, every good and perfect gift came from the Father, the Father God. He is a fun God. He loves you. And uh, there's great joy in the presence of the Lord. That's what Psalms chapter 16 says. There is uh, uh, everlasting, everlasting pleasures or eternal pleasures are at his right hand. You know, it's always enjoyable being with him. You know, even at times when God corrected me and he spoke to my heart and, and he brought me a, like a serious and straight correction, I never once felt condemned. I always sincerely felt loved. Now, I can't really say that about, you know, my own father, my, my earthly father. When I would get spanked uh, as a child, I... Uh, I can't really say that I felt loved. Now, when he took me up and he gathered me up on his lap afterwards and he held me and he would hold me and then he would give me a kiss to let me know that he loved me. But the correction was never pleasant. And the scripture says it's never pleasant. Correction is never pleasant. But do you know when they took the first flight to the moon, they didn't just shoot that rocket off and hope that it hit. Do you know that that rocket that they sent to the moon 
endured correction after correction after correction. So it didn't really just go straight. It went like this all the way to the moon. It just back and forth. There was constant bringing it back on course. And sometimes we get off course and our hearts get off course and our thoughts get off course and we need somebody to come along and bring us some correction. Now, I'm not angry that my dad spanked me. I, 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 you know, I'm sure you all have a whole spectrum of feelings about that type of thing. And I don't really care. <laughs> you, can, you can keep your opinion. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll hold the microphone today. Um, <laughs> but, I, but I know that my father, who's now in heaven, I know without a doubt he sincerely and honestly loved me, and he absolutely did the best that he could do for me. And I'm super thankful. Now, I'm the 10th of 14 children, okay? So that's, I mean, you know, how loved can you feel when you get one slice, a little slice of the pie? You know, you're, is there any left for me? You know, in our family... You know, we would race when it was when they called dinner time. I, we would race to the table because the last person at the table had to sit in Starvation Corner. I don't know if you know what Starvation Corner is. Probably don't because Starvation Corner was just to the left of my father because the food started at my dad and it went to the right. So if the platter got to you, if you were sitting to the left of my dad and there wasn't any food left, well. This was this happened. My mom would take your plate and she'd go scoop it off the other kids' plates. Okay. And uh, you know, but you can tell I didn't starve. <laughs> I'm still alive. God saw me through that that trauma, right? <laughs> Listen, everybody's got a history and everybody's got trauma. But we have a God who is kind. And we have a God who, when he brings correction, you really feel loved. And you really feel nurtured by his hands. You really feel brought into a place where, um, you know, at one point you're feeling like a complete idiot or a complete jerk. Yet he gathers you in. And he loves you. And when the Father corrects you, you feel, I just get this sense when he corrects me, so I would share that with you. I feel important. I feel important. Like, this was worth his time to talk to me. Now, my old pastor, um, he used to, used to tell me, or you know, tell the church, he said, listen, if when you're writing in your journal and you're, like I do, I, I write in my journal. My brother taught me this when I was 13. Taught me to have a conversational relationship with God. So when I was 13 years old, I saw my brother in the, in the dining room. I was walking by. I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm talking to God. And I said, okay. And he said, I just, I write down what I want to say to him, you know, in his little notebook. He said, I just write down what I want to say to him. And then I asked him to speak to me. 
And then I just write down whatever he tells me. I said, can I do that? He said, yeah. I said, what do I do? He said, go get your notebook and a pen. Go get your Bible. Go down in your bedroom and just ask the Lord to speak to you. And he said, I usually just write at the top of my page. He said, I just write my son. And then I right away, I know what to write. And so I started this practice when I was 13 years old. I got born again when I was 11. I was raised in a good Irish Catholic family. Of course, if we had 14 kids, you can guess, okay? <laughs> good Irish Catholic family. Um, um, when I started hearing the voice of God, let me, let me back up a little bit. Do you, you remember the story of Samuel when he was laying down in the, um, in the Holy of Holies? right next to the Ark of the Covenant. And Eli was the high priest. So Samuel, as a little boy, lays down next, you know, on the ground right next to the Ark of the Covenant. And uh, after he goes, you know, he's laying down to go to sleep, and he hears, Samuel. <laughs> Sorry, a little deeper next time, maybe I'll try it. I'll try it again. Anyway, he says, Samuel. And uh, so he thinks it's Eli. So he jumps up and he runs into Eli. Yes, you called me. He said, no, I didn't call you. He said, okay, all right. And he goes back and lays down. And then he hears again, Samuel jumps up and he runs into Eli. Eli says, I'm not calling you. <laughs> I didn't call you. Happens again. Finally, Eli gathers what's happening. He said, next time you hear that, just say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Let's, can we say that together? Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Say it again. Speak, Lord, for your servant is, is listening. Yeah, some of you missed it. Let's try it one more time. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So, when I started to learn how to hear the voice of God. Well, let me back up one more, one more step. When I was in third grade going to um, Catholic school, I was um, back in Akron, Ohio. Some of you know where LeBron is from, right? So I went to St. Vincent's grade school. He went to St. Vincent's high school, St. Vincent's St. Mary. So I was in the grade school there. I think it was third grade. I was getting ready for school one morning. I came into the front hall and I reached up into the, I reached up into the uh, front hall closet to grab my hat. As soon as I grabbed a hold of my hat, I heard this voice on the inside of me saying, there's going to be a new boy at school today, and I want you to take care of him for me. Now, I had never heard the voice of the Lord before, as far as I know. But that really happened. I'm not making this up. This, is, this really happened. Now, it did not feel uncomfortable. It didn't feel like it came from outside of me. It was inside of me. And uh, <clears throat> so when I got to school that day, sure enough, halfway through the morning, the principal walks in. You know, you can see this nun with her full habit on. And uh, she says, I want you all to meet Tony. There was a boy under her arm. Now, they had not announced that there would be a new boy in school. But God was introducing his voice to me. And I would say today, for some of you, I'm introducing God's voice to you.
But truly, God himself needs to introduce his voice to you. Would you agree? So my old pastor, he used to say, listen, when you're writing in your journal, and he said, listen, if all you're getting is flowery stuff, like, oh, you're the most amazing person on the planet, and all this, you know, you know what I'm talking about, just, you know, you can do no wrong, you know, and that's what you're getting in your journal. He said, I don't think you're hearing from God. If you never hear any correction, that's probably not the voice of the Father. We all need correction. They would have missed the moon by thousands of miles if they hadn't had constant correction. Now, if you think you're smart enough to make it through this life without correction, well, what are you here for? What are you here tonight for? Maybe to enjoy the music? Listen, every single sermon should bring us back on course. Every time you hear or read the Bible, it should bring you back on course. Okay, yep, I was getting a little off there. When you get up in the morning, you open your Bible. You're, you're just fellowshipping with the Lord over the Scripture. You, it, it's going to be so gentle and so loving, you're not going to even perceive that it's correction. But it is. Because he's getting our thoughts in line. He's bringing our thoughts into alignment with his heart. Now, I honestly believe that we as preachers or pastors or church leaders or whatever, we don't have the freedom to allow church to be boring. I don't believe that. I, I, I think we have to have church be alive. You know why? Because when people come to church, you know who they're looking for? One person, Jesus. The problem is Jesus doesn't attend every church because he's not welcome at many churches. Is that true? I mean, it's actually true. I mean, have you ever been to one? Do they, does anybody here know Jesus? I don't think so. Yikes. They talk about him, but do they know him? We have a responsibility as people who know Jesus to bring him. Because there's way too many people who don't know him. So when people come to church, they're looking for one person, Jesus Christ. And we better bring him. Did he come with you? I know he came with me, but did he come with you? Raise your hand if Jesus came with you tonight. Come on, raise your hand. Did Jesus come with you tonight? You brought him? You brought him. Amen. It's our responsibility to bring him to no matter where we go, no matter where we are. We have to bring him. So when I was 11, my brother came home from college, and he sat down at the dinner table. Here's, you know, this whole herd of kids, right, sitting around the dinner table. And my brother tells my dad, he says, Daddy, you need to get born again. Now, my dad was an unusual Catholic in that he would read the Bible to us every day, okay? I do believe my father was born again before this point. But remember, you don't get into heaven by passing a theology test. You will go where your Lord is. Is that fair enough? You'll end up where your Lord is, so make sure that Jesus is your Lord. <laughs> it's pretty simple. I want to go to his house after I'm done with this planet, right? Um, 
God loves you. We have, we have a responsibility to bring him wherever we go. When I was 11, I heard my brother sitting there talking at the dinner table. They talked for three hours. Everybody else left the table. But I'm sitting there as an 11-year-old boy listening to my older brother tell my dad about Jesus and how he needed to make a personal decision. So I gave my life to the Lord right then when I was 11. When I was 13, uh, we moved over to Pittsburgh or near Pittsburgh, and we went to a church called Mother of Sorrows, Catholic Church over in Murraysville, Pennsylvania. They have the best, best names, huh? <laughs> so, however, they had a charismatic prayer meeting at that church. So my brother took me. They were speaking in tongues and the whole shot. I said, wow, this is wild. So I played guitar, so I, they let me, they let me lead, lead the music for them at 13. And uh, through that meeting, I got baptized with the Holy Spirit. When I was 14, I started seeing a picture in my imagination over and over again. I kept seeing this picture, and it was a picture of a pipe connecting heaven to earth, a pipe. And I kept seeing it, and I kept seeing it, and I finally got enough wisdom to ask, what is that? <laughs> Lord, what is it? Why? What am I seeing? You know, sometimes you see things, and you don't even bother asking. I was in that condition for a while. He kept showing me this pipe connecting heaven to earth, and I finally got that, ooh, <laughs> it was a reverse rapture or something. I didn't know what was happening. <laughs> Sinking right in. <laughs> Swallowed alive. <laughs> God bless the moles. Somewhere else. No, somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, somewhere else. With a new home. Bless them with a new home. <laughs> and another property. Amen. We do speak to those moles to leave. In the name of Jesus. Anybody in agreement with me? Moles, we tell you to leave. Leave this property from now on. Amen. All right. So I saw this pipe connecting heaven to earth, and I, kept, I said, Lord, what is that? And he said, son, that pipe is you. He said, because you're connected to heaven. You know, I was born again. He said, you're connected to heaven, but you're also connected to the earth. And he said, if you will keep that pipe free from obstructions, I can flow my blessings from heaven to earth through you. So some people want to be a rock star. Some people want to be, a, well, they, I guess they don't want that anymore. They want to be a rap star. That's, a lot of people want to be a rap star. They want to be, some, you want to be a model. You want to be this. You want to be that. I found out what I am. I am a pipe. Isn't that glamorous? Isn't that wonderful? I'm a pipe, though, that connects heaven to earth. And my job is to receive from heaven and give it to whoever needs it. Anybody who's in my presence, now what I'm saying applies to you as well. But anybody who's in my presence is actually in the presence of God. Right? Anybody see the Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? The Ark of the Covenant. Guess what? You are the Ark of the Covenant. 
You are the bearer of the Holy of Holies. You're the one that carries the throne of God in your heart. If you believe in Jesus Christ, if you've made room for him and and invited him in and made him truly Lord, well, then he's sitting on the throne of your heart so that anybody who's in your presence then is in the presence of God. Now, the thing about it, though, is they should be treated as if they're in the presence of God. They should, they should be able to receive as if they're sitting right in the throne room, right before God himself. Hey, what do you need? That's why so many times when I'm with somebody, you know, personally ministering to him or talking to him, I say, what do you need? Or, you know, if Jesus was sitting here what would, and said, what can I do for you? What would you say to him? I, was, uh, I shared this the other night with the leaders, but I have to share it again, I think. Um, I was driving up the highway to go to visit my brother and have breakfast with him at this one restaurant. So I had to drive up one highway, then over in Chicago, up 355, 290, over on 90 to 31. But the Lord said as I was driving up there, he said, take 31 on the way back home, which meant coming back through a bunch of neighborhoods, the long way home. And I was like, I didn't really want to, but he said, do it. So after I got done with breakfast, I was traveling back came down 31. So I'm driving along and all of a sudden there's this, this girl stopped in front of me with this real old car. And, um, she was waving to the guy coming and turning left in front of her. I'm like, well, we don't have a stop sign. We don't have a stop light. Why are you stopped? I was a little miffed, you know, (laughs) not too much, but a little bit. What are you doing, honey? (laughs) And, uh, finally I realized she was out of gas. She, was, she gets out of the car, this just a little petite black girl, dressed all nice, you know, trying to get to work. And I realized she was in trouble. And I said, hey, I said, hey, let me, uh, I'll push your car off. So I pulled my car off on that road, and then I came and pushed her car. And uh, she said, I'm out of gas. I said, can I, can I drive you up to the gas station? I said, do you have a gas can? She said, yeah. I said, could I drive you? And she goes, yes, please. And so I drove her up to the gas station and uh, got a little thing of gas. And uh, while, you know, we just started talking on the way and get the gas. You know, while she buys the gas, she buys me a little soda or drink or something just to try to bless me, you know, which was very kind. She was really nice, really nice. And um, she had moved out from the city trying to make it on her own. So when I, I uh, got her back to the car, got the gas in there and all that, and I said, let me ask you a question. I said, if Jesus was sitting right here and he, and he were to ask you, what can I do for you? What would you say to him? And she starts crying. I'm like, okay. <laughs> she said, I would ask him, I, I need my rent paid. And um, I was new at pastoring, and we had set up a little fund, you know, when the money came in, 80% goes to operating expenses, 80, or 10% to, to, uh, to tithe, giveaway, uh, and then 10% to savings. So in that giveaway, we had a little portion for needs like this. So I asked her, I said, well, where could I drop off the check? She, and again, she's crying. And so... Um, 
She said, if you had asked it any other way, I could not have told you that I needed the rent. She said, but you said, because I had made a promise to the Lord that I would not ask anyone for money. And I was going to rely totally on the Lord. She said, but the way you asked the question, you said, if Jesus was sitting here and he were to ask you, what, you know, what do you need? What would you say? She said, well, I could answer that honestly without putting a pull on a person because she wanted to keep her heart clean. Well, when somebody's in your presence, you have full access. Because Jesus is sitting on the throne, you have full access to all the resources of heaven. Right now, you do. Right now, you do. Literally, literally, right now, you do. Well, what's the problem then? <laughs> Why aren't we all healed? Why aren't we all, you know, supplied? How come this how come this building, how come this property's not built out yet? What what's what's up with that? <laughs> now you all have a gold driveway, right? You have like Mike, your driveway is your driveway gold? I didn't I didn't check. You're working on it. Got it. Wait a second. How many of you have a gold driveway? I ain't even got a driveway. <laughs> okay, wait a second. Does the Bible say, does the Bible command, does Jesus command us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Did he tell us to pray that way? Do you think it's God's will in heaven for them to have a gold driveway? The streets are made of gold. So is that his will? Or did somebody screw things up in heaven? Please, I just want to know. Is it truly his will? He told us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Oh, Joe, you're blowing it. No, I'm not. No. He did say that. So, if you were walking around the streets of gold in heaven right now, do you know what your perspective of gold would be? You wouldn't think gold is awesome. We should make jewelry out of gold. You know what you would think of gold as? Pavement. Does anybody here have a cement ring on their finger? That could be a thing. Who knows? It's not a thing because we think of cement as pavement. Are you, are you with me? Okay, so we have to change our perspective of gold. We have to change our perspective of what, what does God want in this earth. Let me just tell you, everything that's needed for this property to be fully built out completely built out so that it would become, uh, you know, what do they call Uganda? I think they refer to it as the pearl of Africa. They, uh, somebody called Uganda the pearl of Africa. So that this property would be the pearl of IV. You know what I'm saying? Be like, wait a second. 
man, I feel like I just walked into heaven. They walk through the gate. What is this place? You know what I'm saying? What? Let me tell you. <laughs> you know, my daughter, she, she got a little joke book. <laughs> she goes, Dad, listen to this one. I said, okay. My daughter, Olivia, she's uh, 17. She goes, Dad, listen to this one. She said, the preacher gets up on Sunday and he says, well, I have some good news. I have some bad news. The good news is we have all the money that we need for the church building project. She said, he said the bad news is it's still in your pockets. <laughs> My daughter thought that was real funny. Okay, I don't know if you do or not, but um, I'm not. I'm not taking up an offering or anything. Just so you know, <laughs> just so you know, I'm not interested. However, I have in my heart. I would love to buy. I would love to pay this thing off myself personally. Just because that's what I'd like to do. But. I'm still in the process of finishing up raising seven kids. I'm a pastor at a church. Now, I'm learning more about accessing things from the Father and accessing things from heaven and learning how to receive what he desires for me to receive. So I would challenge you to do the same. Learn how to receive from heaven. Learn, just let me tell you something. Have, how many of you here are songwriters? Raise your hand. Raise them up high. Okay, when you write a song, hopefully, you're tapping in, hopefully, you're tapping into a heavenly flow and receiving. Now, you could write a song, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, okay, now, did that come from heaven? I, I don't know about that. <laughs> you, don't need no, you don't necessarily need heavenly inspiration to write a song like that. Uh, old McDonald, no, let's not do that. Um, but a song that draws people into the presence of God because you, you were there yourself and you captured it through music and then you brought it down so then every time you sing that song, everybody who hears it feels the same presence that you felt when you wrote it and every time you play it. You feel the same presence. You're bringing, literally bringing heaven. Now, I have been in situations where, as a matter of fact, the very first time I came to, came to Santa Barbara, me and my daughter flew in on an airplane, and uh, there was a friend of ours who was going to give us, my daughter was praying and asking God for a car. And a friend from Santa Barbara gave us, gave her a BMW when she was 18. Because when she was 17, every day she would say, thank you, Lord, for my BMW. She just kept praying, said, Lord, I thank you for my BMW. We gave away a car that she and I used all the time. Said, Lord, we're just giving this to you for your ministry. But when we landed here in Santa Barbara, this guy took us out to dinner out down on the, the pier, real nice. It was Christmas night. He, he bought us dinner, put us up in the Fest Parker resort down there, okay, for about two or three days, really nice. Would not let me pay a penny for anything. 
Not, he wouldn't even let me pay a penny for anything. Then when we drove away, after he gave us the car, he said, oh, I left a little something in the ashtray for you. So I opened up the, after we drive away, I opened up the ashtray. There was $500 in a roll of $20 bills. So the whole trip home was paid for, the gas, the hotels, all the food. And we had enough left over when I got home to take the whole family out to dinner. I felt no lack. Lack was nowhere in sight. I couldn't feel it. I couldn't feel lack at all. That was amazing to me. Having been raised in a family of 14 kids, where there was times where we were praying that somebody would drop off some food on our doorstep. Yet there was other times when we sat down to a nice meal. My mom cooked a nice chicken dinner with mashed potatoes and corn. It was all on the table. We did a white tablecloth, and we had the candles and the china. That's the way we did it with the 14. That's the way my folks did it. We were all sitting down. We had just prayed, and the, the telephone rang. My mom picks up the phone, gets a call from the Christian family movement there within the church, said there's a family across town. They don't have any dinner tonight. So my parents walked into the dining room with the aluminum foil, put it right over our dinner, and walked out the door. And we had peanut butter and jelly. That's a beautiful thing to have been sewn into my heart. Beautiful thing. I didn't feel any loss. That family got fed. They didn't know where their meal was coming from. There were times when we didn't know, and somebody dropped a box of food at our door. But to feel lack, I would tell you, and I've had a lot of time to meditate on this, <laughs> a lot of opportunity, I should say, to meditate on this, um, I believe that lack is an attack on you and your personal sense of sonship. Ladies, I'll just give you a quick thing here. Please don't get offended with me. But the scripture says we are all sons of God. Don't get mad. Ladies, if I have to be the bride of Christ for eternity... You could put up with this for just this little bit of time here where you have to be a son of God. Is that all right? <laughs> Please don't get mad at me. Please don't get mad. This, don't, I mean, it won't do you any good to get mad at me. <laughs> but so lack is an attack on your personal sonship. In other words, where there's lack, you say this, where's daddy? Don't I have a dad? You know, my daughter, Juliana, was being bullied by a kid at school. And my first thought is, doesn't this kid have a dad? That was the first thought that came to my mind. Doesn't he have a dad? And I asked Jules, I said, Jules, doesn't he have a dad? She goes, actually, he does. I said, what's going on? How come, how come this kid is bullying you? But let's back up a second. When you sense lack in your life, the devil is at work attacking your relationship with God because he does not want you to believe you are a child of God. Because 
When you are in God's house, all of the bills are paid. All the bills are paid. You know what? You know what's really a bummer is when we started send to our, sending our kids to a, a school that had a whole bunch, of, whole bunch of rich kids. Then my kids start expecting everything. Well, they got that. So then I deserve that too. They got this, so I should have that. All my friends have this. So dad, mom, we should have this too. I'm like, uh, so now I have a choice. And I did the wrong thing. But I shared with her that I'm, I'm not sitting on a pot of gold here. I know you have a desire. But I don't have the money for that. So then they get sad. And then they get angry that I'm a pastor. And that the church is small. Listen, you know where your brain can go. And where your thoughts can go when you're not getting your way. And they're, and they're like, well, how come, how come you still have to do this? <laughs> I'm trying, honey. I'm trying to obey God. I'm trying to love people. You know, I'm trying to build them up, and I can't put a pull on anybody. You know, I can't get up here and say, hey, you know, we're, we're really struggling. We're really struggling. Can you help us? I'm sorry. I, I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't manipulate people. That would be impure. I can't do that, you know? And uh, by the way, we're not struggling, praise the Lord. <laughs> I love the Lord. Man, taking this trip out to California and not even having a concern about anything and not being worried about who's going to pay the bill and who's going to buy the flights, never, never concerned, never once because I'm not in lack right now. And I really like this. It, it feels a lot more like heaven when you're not in lack. It feels a lot more like heaven when you're not in lack. When all the bills are paid, that's what heaven feels like. It feels like all the bills are paid. And it feels like you get a desire in your heart, you get to have it. I know that it's the Christianese thing to say, well, no, he'll give you your needs, not your desires. That's not what the Bible says. It says he will give you the desires of your heart. My daughter wanted a BMW when she was 18. She tried to, she tried to buy one, and she got turned down. And I couldn't co-sign because I, I had a bad mark on my credit. And somebody heard called me up, say, hey, Pastor Joe, I had the same problem when I tried to buy a car. And he said, just recently I bought a car, and I had no problem. He said, so if you want, the BMW is yours. And he just gave it to us. <laughs> That's baffling to me. You know, somebody gave a, a gift to uh, my ministry, Joseph Barlow Ministries. And uh, I like to tithe, by the way. I mean, I, that's something I love to do, uh, actually. <laughs> because when you're in a position to give, when you, get, when you get money and then you are in a position to give, tithing is giving one-tenth of what you got in. One-tenth of the increase, okay? 
Yeah, isn't that under the law? Sure it is. Absolutely, it's under the law. Uh, the command to do it is under the law, but the example to do it is not. And uh, I just love it. So I, I do it. It's personal choice. So I'm not commanding anybody to do that or whatever. But I like to do it. And so when this money came into JBM, to Joseph Barlow Ministries, I was like, man, I get to tithe off this. So I started making a list. Actually, Marky was sitting with me when, uh, is that okay if I call you Marky in front of everybody? <laughs> um, so Mark was sitting with me right while I was making that list of all the things. And the first thing the Lord said to me, as soon as I started, I wanted to tithe. The first thing he said, you're free, son. I mean, he, that's the first thing he said. He said, son, you're free. Do whatever you want to do with this. And I was like, oh, my goodness. And so I was able to bless a whole bunch of people. I went back to all my employees who have been with me over the years. And I sent them all some money just to love them. I said, you know, you really were an important part of this ministry. And I just want to thank you. So I just Venmoed them a little bit just to bless them. But that giving heart is not Joe Barlow's giving heart. That every good and perfect gift comes from God. So that's actually a God demeanor. That's the way God thinks about you. So when you're in lack and you're in need, God's not sitting there saying, that's your problem. No, it says he upbraideth not, which means he's not standing there trying to jerk you around. He loves you. He's trying to usher you into his abundance.